Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. My name is Carter, and my dad serves in the Army. I would like to give a shout-out to Kim Lilly. Miss Kim, thank you for being like a second mom to my brothers and me during both of my dad's deployments. You are another adult in my life I could count on who cared for me when my dad was away. I am grateful for you. Hi, Kim. Thank you for pouring into our family during those challenging years. As a seasoned mom and army wife, you brought peace into the chaos of raising three young boys and loved on my exceptional child without hesitation. You taught this perfectionist that giving myself grace and accepting good enough is sometimes the best road to take. You took my family under your wing and have been a steadfast fixture in our lives ever since. I am forever grateful for the gift God gave me when you moved in next door. Love you. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. And today I may sound like I have a little bit of a cold and that's okay because I just wanted to be real and honest with you guys. And honestly, it's kind of part of the story today. And um, I wanted to give you a little bit more information about me and be vulnerable with you a little bit about what's going on in my life because, you know, we're addressing a lot of issues in the Life Giver Podcast of what's going on in military spouses' lives, and I'm a military spouse, and so I think it's really important to kind of be vulnerable with you as well, as I'm asking interviewees to be vulnerable. I'm going to be vulnerable along the way and um, tell you some of the things that I'm wrestling with. You know, just because I'm a counselor that works with people and I'm a chaplain's wife doesn't mean I have it all together. Surprise, surprise. Um, And to kind of show you that and to show you that um, we we are all working extremely hard to better ourselves, I want to show you a little bit along the way of some of the things that I'm working on in my life. And, um, you know, we all learn something, especially in hindsight. And something kind of came to me today. I learned something about myself. And I thought, you know, the best thing that we can do is when we learn something about ourselves, whether it's we fall down and we get scraped up, not necessarily literally, but in life, when we fall down and scrape ourselves up a little bit, maybe we feel like we failed as a parent or maybe we, you know, there was a misunderstanding in my marriage and and I, you know, lost it instead of really being kind and selfless. You know, those are those moments to go, you know what, I am human and I'm trying and I'm working and so I'm going to take what what happened to me. I'm going to get up. I'm going to brush myself off. I'm going to learn something from this and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to be a better person for it. So, you know, today, the reason why I was waiting um, or why I'm not waiting actually to record a podcast after I get over this cold is this, you know, I caught this cold from my son who's Jack. He's eight years old right now and he's in the third grade and someday he's going to look back and he's going to go, mom, I can't believe you did a podcast entirely about me. How like embarrassing is that? But um, this is more about what I learned about myself as a mom. And um, so I caught this cold from Jackson. Um, he's had a rough week. Uh, it was just a basic cold, a head cold that moved into his chest. And he's, he was out of school for about three days last week. And no doubt he was having a rough week. No doubt. He was really not feeling well. And the school called um, the first day. He's not doing good. Please come pick him up. 
which is one of these times in my life that I'm thankful that I'm at home. You know, I used to work a full time job and that was really tough to be a full time working uh, military spouse, really, that, you know, I've always worked knowing that. You know, I have to respond and be able to come pick up the kids because I can't rely on my husband's work schedule being flexible. So that means mine has to be flexible. And that's a whole other topic that can be really difficult. But I'm so thankful that I'm home now and able to respond to calls like that. So I went and picked him up. Of course, he had a head cold. He was not doing well. Um, I kept him home. I think it was... Actually, no, he woke up the next day and I thought, you know what? This is doable. He's this is not really that bad. He's not running a fever. He doesn't seem contagious. So let's try to go to school tomorrow. So we went to school the next day. Nurse calls. He's not feeling well. You need to come pick him up. At that point, I realized, you know what? This is he really genuinely and this is a kid that loves to stay home. So it's kind of like, is he really sick or does he is he really just trying to be home? And that's tough, isn't it, moms? It is it is tough to figure out what's going on inside of that head of theirs. And you just want to crawl inside and you just want to, like, figure out what they're thinking so that we could get it right every time. And the truth is we get it wrong most of the time. And honestly, we're not supposed to know everything that's going on in their brains. So I made a judgment call. I probably should have should have not sent him to school, but... Needless to say, second day, I picked him up. Yes, he's not feeling good. And by the third day, I wasn't even going to try. We're staying home um, just in case it is contagious. There is no fever, but we're going to stay home. We just happened to have a long four-day weekend. And I thought, you know, we were home every single day. He had plenty of time to get better. Nothing was developing. We're going to be good to go to go back to school on the following Tuesday, which would have been today. And so, you know, we have some coughs going on that but seem to be manageable. Long story short, I take him into school today. Um, You can do this. And what do you know? An hour later, I get a call from the nurse again that says, come get him. Now, at this point, as a mom, I'm starting to get, honestly, if I were to be really honest with all of you, I was frustrated. You know, I had been home for a week. I hadn't gotten much done and and I was glad to be able to to put a stuff put my stuff aside to serve and take care of him and that's a joy to me to be a mom. But at this point I was starting to get a little selfish and a little frustrated because you know, I really would like to get some things done here and I know you're not that sick and I was frustrated. And um he was really pushing those coughs out and it was like a really overly dramatic um, cough. So, you know, my mom radar is going off at this point and I'm going, okay, something else is going on because uh, number one, that's not a normal cough. And number two, you're really pushing this out. So something else is going on. But at this point, I said, you know what, kid, we are going to urgent care. We are go- if there is something wrong, then we're going to find what's wrong. And if there's not something wrong, then you ne- we need to hear from the doctor. And the school at this point needs to hear from the doctor that nothing is wrong. So we go to the doctor's office and we sit there. And in 30 minutes of sitting there in the doctor's office, my son did not cough once. And I thought, hmm, something else is not... Go. It's not a cold. It's not why well, he has a cold, but it's not just a cold that's going on here. Now, I know he has a cold because I picked it up. It's a small, minor cold. I am not like 
on the floor, you know, <laughs> with this horrible thing that's going around. It's not. It was just a normal cold. So we see the doctor. The doctor says, honestly, he's fine. Give him some honey for his throat. You're going back to school, kid. So at this point, I I needed to have a talk with my son. And this has been a tough time for us as a family. Um, it's been a very stressful year. And the last station that we were assigned to, we were there for a year and a half and it was cut short. Like usually we're in the place for about two and a half years. And this one was a year and a half, and that's really short. And we knew that where we are right now was only going to be six months. Um, We knew it was going to be short, and I knew that was going to be tough on me, all of us, really. Um, You know, I think sometimes we think it's maybe not as tough for our service members because maybe they're used to it or it's just their job. But, you know, honestly, it's tough for all family members in different ways. And I knew that this was going to be tough on all of us. We always look at our kids, I think, and go, wow, you really are resilient, like surprisingly resilient. How is that possible? Because I'm feeling it and surely you guys are feeling it, but It's just not coming out. And so maybe you are actually doing okay. But this was one of those moments when I realized, you know what? Something isn't going right. And I need to have a talk with him. So I calmed myself down, obviously frustrated and being honestly, like I said, selfish. And I kind of pushed that aside. And I said, okay, Jack, something else is going on. What is it? Are you afraid to go to school? Are you not wanting to be there? And this was one of those sweet moments where he, in in eight-year-old terminology, basically said that he really didn't feel like he was fitting in well. And basically, why make new friends if we're just going to leave them? Ugh. If some, if a knife could have come out and stabbed me in the heart, it would have hurt less than that. It's that moment as a parent where you go, wow, this lifestyle is really hard on these kids. And I'm wondering, is this really what's best for my family? Surely there's many of you out there who have felt that. Surely there's other families out there that have gone, man, this is really hard or it's getting harder and I'm worried about my kids. And I talk to these senior wives who tell me, yeah, my kids are doing great and they're resilient. They're doing great in college and don't worry about them because honestly, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the senior wives. And so that renews my hope and my strength. And I go, you know what? My kids are going to be okay. But on days like today, when you hear that, it's just like, is that really true? Is this really okay for them? Because I feel like I'm ripping them out of everything that's secure and stable wherever we go. We talked about it. And, you know, I said, Jack, this is really hard for mommy, too. And it is tough to make friends if you're only going to be in a place for a short amount of time. It is tough to invest and put your heart out there and know that you're going to leave those people behind. But the only thing I can tell you is that the friends that I meet, it always ends up being worth it. Just those few months of connecting with somebody else and adding another person to my list that I can count on if I need to, even if it's from a distance, it's always worth it. And so as hard as it is, put yourself out there and do it anyways. Look for those people that understand. So we drove to school. We had a good pep talk. And 
I took him back to school and I talked to his teachers and I talked to the nurse to give them a heads up of what was going on. And he's back at school right now, actually. And so we'll have another talk when he gets home. But I started to think about this and I started to think about how it makes me feel. And I started to think about how many of you are going through the same thing. And I thought, you know, this is something worth talking about. Let's let's talk about um, how we use our radar systems to to address what might be going on with our kids. And so I thought that I kind of compiled a few things to think about that I, as a clinician, when I work with kids and when I work with parents, I wanted to give you a few things that I tell other parents to keep a lookout for and what you can do about that. And, um, and then also just a few things to just encourage you of how you can keep really touching base with your kids and what are some good practicing tips on how to do that. So here's a couple things that you can look out for in your children in case something might be going on and you're not really sure and they're not being completely forthright and open and honest and saying, hey, mom, I'm having a very difficult time. I'm not connecting well with other children. And, you know, I really am feeling insecure about myself. You know, six-year-olds, five-year-olds, even 12-year-olds are going to have a very difficult time saying that if they're going to say it at all. And so we have to be able to pay attention to kids' body language to their behavior and and also to their words sometimes to kind of look for these hidden clues because you know guess what guys we there is no way you will ever be able to crawl into the brain of your child and know exactly what they're going through and we have a decision to make we can either let that drive us crazy for the rest of our lives or we can realize that Knowing the inner depths of their soul, of their heart, of their thinking is was never ours to begin with. That part of your child is only reserved for their future spouse. We, we as spouses, military spouses, we know what our husband is going through, number one, because he talks to us or because we ask him or because we can tell. We just have that feeling of we know what's going on because we were working so hard on that relationship and because they've opened up themselves to us. And that is right. And it's good. And it's that's the way it was designed. And that's one of the reasons why you will never be able to access that part of your child's brain or heart or soul, wherever you want to, however you want to title that. That part of them is reserved for their spouse someday. And so we could either let that drive us crazy or we can accept it and do our best with the mommy radar that we have, that sixth sense, to figure out what might be going on, um, pick up clues, and then look for information and try to piece some things together so that we can help them along the way. So things to look out for. The first thing that you should always look out for is that these little people are designed very much like us big people. So, for example, when I feel out of control of my life, which as military spouses happens quite frequently, um, when I feel like we're moving or I don't have control over the housing or I don't have control over my day or I don't have control over when my husband gets pulled away or whatever, what is the first thing that we as adults do? We control the things that we can control. And usually, most of the time, the first thing that we can control is food. We can control what we put in our body, or we can decide to not eat at all. And so that's why some of you decide to eat more, and some of you decide to stop eating, because 
You know, somebody can put food in front of you, but they can't make you swallow it. And kids are like that. They learn very, very early on, sometimes before they can even talk, that that is one thing that nobody can force them to do. That's one of the first things that they choose. They throw their peas off the high chair table. They um, refuse food. They sit there and just, it's like they camp out at the table because they are not going to have chicken for one more night. And so watch for when your child's eating habits change. And if they are controlling and refusing food or if they're really eating too much of it, then that could be a good sign that they really need control somewhere. And it could be that their home is is too strict or or too chaotic. Um, Just think about what that feels like for you and how that may play out for a child. So number one. Um, watch for how they control food um, because it's the first thing that they know that they can control, which is their body. Number two, this seems kind of obvious, but pay attention to when they're more needy than usual. Now, obviously, if a child is very clingy, that's an obvious neediness that we can look out for. But sometimes it's um, more subtle things. So, for example, what are the things that they normally know how to do, but now they suddenly need help doing it? So, for some reason, one of the first things that came to my mind was washing themselves. Let's say a child is old enough to know how to wash themselves, but suddenly needs help. That would be a more obvious neediness, right? But a more subtle version of that would be maybe they're not asking for help, but they are, you look at them and you can see them and go, they're not washing themselves well. Like there's, there's a point at which they're not functioning great and they're needing someone to help them do that. So I'm just using the example of washing themselves, but it could be really anything. It could be dressing themselves. It could be Um, chores that they normally know how to do and suddenly they're either being extremely obviously needy about it or in a subtle way they're just not performing those tasks as they normally would be performing them. We would sometimes call this regression Um, in extreme traumatic situations. You might and well, I don't want to call it traumatic because sometimes moving for kids is traumatic. So when I think traumatic, I think abuse. I think something horrific happening. But for a child, from their perspective, sometimes moving can be traumatic. So we often will see regression in children. So what an eight year old can do normally, suddenly they can't do it or and they're acting more like a six-year-old or what an eight-year-old acts like and has developmentally and emotionally developed to the point of an eight-year-old is now emotionally acting like a six-year-old or they talk normally like an eight-year-old, but now suddenly they are not pronunciating the way that they normally would at eight and now they sound like they're five or six. That's what we would call regression. And those are another red flag for us to go, you know what? Um, There's some neediness there. There's some regression there. This child is having a little bit of a difficult time. Another thing, a third thing that I would obviously ask adults that shows up in children as well is what's happening to their sleeping and eating? Now, as adults, we often ask that question, right, to to discern if there's depression going on. Are you sleeping too much? Are you not sleeping enough? Are you eating too much? Are you not eating enough? So that's kind of an obvious thing to look for in children. If they're not sleeping well, if there's insomnia, if there's nightmares, what might be going on with that child that's kind of new and different, that's interrupting their sleeping and their eating, um, that's a red flag for you to look for. So that's kind of an obvious one. 
And lastly, I could go on forever on all these tips, but I'm just trying to give you some basic ones. The last one is, are they avoiding things that they normally wouldn't avoid? So in my situation with Jackson, he's he was avoiding school. And even though he's a homebody, he loves to stay at home. It's not really like Jack to miss out on time with friends because he's got a couple of friends at school that he is really drawn really close to. And normally he'd be excited to go see those friends. And he's a huge extrovert. And it was only in hindsight, and we're going to get to, you know, what was some of the feelings that came up in me, but it was only in hindsight that I started thinking about this today and I started going, you know what, Jack does love to stay home. So it didn't surprise me this past weekend that he was staying home and wanting to be a homebody. But normally when he stays home, he wants to invite all these friends over. He wants to spend lots of time with people. And when I think back on this weekend, not once did he ask to go find friends or want to invite friends over. And that's not really like him. And the fact that he's now also avoiding school where he could see those friends and spend time with them, even though he has to do boring schoolwork, it's not really like Jack. And so he was avoiding things that he would normally not avoid. And it was kind of an extreme for him. So this could be seen as avoiding other people, especially if somebody is hurting them or making them uncomfortable. They might be avoiding people. Um, it could be avoiding certain places. They're avoiding those daily tasks that you would normally expect them to not really avoid. Like, sure, children are going to push back on wanting to go to the grocery store and have to follow mom around. But are they avoiding going out with their friends or seeing their friends when that's something that they would normally be okay with? Those are just a few red flags for you to kind of keep a lookout for. And if you see any of those pop up, then you definitely want to address and talk with your kids. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. You know, if you really feel overwhelmed and if there's really something big going on and if you really are worried, then obviously bring in other people to um, help you address what might be going on. So let's talk for just a minute about what goes on inside of us, because Really, we are the ones that live within our own skin and within our own minds and feelings. And so we're the ones that are trying to figure out what's going on with my child. How is my child doing? And unfortunately, I think we often take in that information and then ask ourselves, what does that say about me? And I think we do that accidentally. I don't think we necessarily do it on purpose. At least I hope we're not doing that on purpose. But it's kind of wrong. Well, it is wrongful thinking, really, because what we're doing is saying my child is going through a difficult time. And if they're going through a difficult time, then that must mean I'm not doing a good job as a mom. Somewhere along the way, we have decided, and this is wrong, I believe, because it takes a toll on us. But somewhere along the way, we have decided that if my kid is struggling, then I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough as a mom. And that I'm not doing everything that I possibly can do to make them live in a comfortable life. And I think that's really especially hard as military spouses because we already know that our lifestyle is tough enough as it is. And so to have to figure out how to make this life as smooth as possible for them because we know it's going to be tough, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. And I love what Brene Brown said about kids in that they are born hardwired for struggle. But for some reason, we pad around them, like we cushion life around them so that they won't have too much difficulty because too much difficulty 
will break them somehow. And then somehow I decide my sense of self-worth because of my children are struggling. So I think that we have to really pay attention to what's going on inside of us as we're looking at how our kids are doing and how we help them through a very difficult lifestyle without it turning into shame where we're saying, you know, you know, if I was a better parent, I wouldn't do that when maybe we need to take it from the approach of we can all as a family do tough stuff. We can get through difficult things. And that's one of the things I said to Jack when I dropped him off. I said, number one, it's always okay for you to talk to me. It's it's safe for you to tell me your feelings and you will never get in trouble for telling me how you feel. Obviously, as long as we're saying it in appropriate ways, if we're screaming at mommy, then that's not an appropriate way to talk about your feelings. But if you need to tell me how you're doing, and even if it's tough for mommy to hear, it's always safe to do that. But you're a brave kid, and you're a tough kid, and you've done some very tough things, and you can get through today. We can talk about tomorrow, tomorrow, but I know you can get through the rest of the day today. And, you know, we talked about some tools and and things that he could utilize to help him get through the day if he was really struggling. So... Number one, um, going back to numbers, you're going to hear me number things a lot. I realize that about myself. I mean, even when I'm talking to my kids, I'm like, okay, number one, number two. So <laughs> you'll learn that about me. For some, I'm going to have to figure out how to get out of that, but I do. I just number things. Um, it helps me keep track of what I'm saying, and hopefully it helps you keep track if you're taking notes. But what do we do when we get it wrong? Because, you know, I look back. And there's so many things I could have done better with him this weekend and even today. And and maybe I should have seen it. And I I put this shame on myself if I should have seen that he was struggling and I shouldn't have been so frustrated and um, beating myself up. And I need to not do that. I need to give myself a break. I need to acknowledge the fact that I was being selfish with my time and my frustration. Yes, it was. I knew that he really wasn't as sick as, as he really was. And I was allowing that to get me frustrated and kind of mad um, and needing him to be stronger um, and to not fake it. Um, And that was selfish. And I have to acknowledge that within myself. And there are times to acknowledge that with your kids and go, you know what? I'm really sorry that I was really angry this morning. I was being selfish and I should have listened better and I'm learning and I'm going to do better to learn. But it's at least acknowledging it within yourself if that comes up. I don't know if any of the rest of you guys out there deal with selfishness, but I know I definitely do. Number two is that when we get it wrong and we miss something with our kids, another reason why we don't need to beat ourselves up is that we often don't want there to be something wrong. I mean, when I look back on it, I think, you know, I really wanted Jack to be okay. I really want my kids to be okay. I don't want there to be anything wrong. I don't want there to be something for me to clean up or fix. And maybe that's selfish, too. But I, I don't think it's as much selfishness as much as it's, I want my family to be successful. I want my kids to feel all right. And sometimes I think because we want things to be okay and we don't want there to be anything wrong, we miss it. We miss that something actually is wrong. And realizing that it's okay when something is wrong and it's an opportunity for growth, I think is really important. So here's some things that we can do about it. We need to have grace for ourselves. We need to have grace when we mess up. Uh, We need to have forgiveness to acknowledge, like I said before, when we get it wrong and then give ourselves a break and go, you know what? 
I couldn't have figured it out in the moment. It took me thinking about it in hindsight for me to go, oh, now that I put all those puzzle pieces together, I can totally see what's going on. I just didn't have all the puzzle pieces yet. And so we need to have grace with ourselves in the moment. If you're feeling like something's off to go, okay, I am in this stage of collecting evidence, if you will. And when I get enough evidence, then I'll be able to be assured that something is going wrong. But until then, I, I can't be for sure. So I'm going to be patient with myself and graceful with it. You're not going to catch everything that your kids are going through. You're not going to pick up on every single little tiny thing that they're struggling with. And that's okay. And I'm not really sure we're supposed to pick up on all of it because I don't think that we are supposed to be the perfect experts on our children. There is a reason why we have the roles as parents and there's a reason why there are other people that they're going to build relationships throughout their lifetime that are going to help them figure out whatever is going on inside of them. And it doesn't need to be me every time because if it is... Then my son grows up to be overly attached to me as a mom and less resilient, if we're going to use that word, and he's not going to know how to use people around him, especially his spouse someday. So I don't need to be the resident expert fixer of my children for every tiny thing that goes wrong, and I need to take myself off the hook on that, and I need to give myself some grace and patience. Number two, um, on what you can do about it is keep asking questions of your kids. Now, I don't mean nag them. I don't mean to bombard them with questions because some of you guys have middle schoolers and high schoolers. I know my oldest son is in middle school and he's entering into that stage of not wanting to have a gazillion questions thrown at him as soon as he gets home from school, especially boys are like that. But find a good time to ask questions with your kids. If you have a talker that's ready to talk about how their day is, then instead of talking at them, just keep telling yourself, what question can I ask them? If they're not really sharing much and they seem like they're having a hard time opening up, then I would encourage you to find vulnerable moments during the day to ask them questions. I find that that is either when they are genuinely struggling with something. So, for example, like this morning when my son realized that he was caught by the his mom and the doctor that's saying there's really not much wrong with you and you're just trying to get out of school. So he was in a vulnerable moment where I could say, OK, it's time to be honest. What's really going on? But also, nighttime is a great vulnerable moment for your kids. It's a great time for you to sit down with them when they're tired and they don't have their guard up as much. And you can ask them the same question every night, as long as you keep it very general. Something like, is there anything that you would like to talk about that happened today that made you uncomfortable? Now is a great time for us to talk about it. And they may say no, and that's fine, and you respect their no, and then you ask them the same question tomorrow night. And I think what you'll find is that if you're consistent enough, kids will eventually test you on it. Because there may be something that they may say, you know what, I really do want to talk to mom about this, but I really don't know how she's going to handle it, and I don't really know if she really wants to know about it. So I'm not going to try it. But there does come a point or a day where they go, I'm going to test her on this. And I want to give you a heads up that usually when kids test their parents on do they really want to hear me, they're going to come up with the most random, non-deep or surfacey issue that you can imagine. And you're going to go, you really want to talk about this? But that's a test. It's a test for what can they handle. And 
they're going to test the waters a little bit and see how you handle talking about something very light. And if you pass the test, they're more likely to open up with you more in the future. But also that consistency of you asking, it helps them realize, number one, that you care. And there I go numbering again. <laughs> number two, um, that they're going to keep asking. So I might as well answer at some point. So be willing to ask questions. And I know something that my husband and I are really working on lately is, boy, we are good at lecturing. And we learned the hard way um, what happens with our kids when, when we lecture too much and the timer goes off in their brains and you can see their eyes shut down like I have stopped listening. You know, that's something that even we are working really hard on is to stop lecturing and ask more questions. Number three on what you can do about all this. Pay attention to your radar. You have been given this sixth sense, this discernment that is natural, especially for women, of when something is wrong. In fact, I love, uh, my father-in-law is a retired police officer, and he told me this story about how they worked in the police department whenever they would have females working in the office, and oftentimes they were clerks or working behind the desk doing paperwork, but Whenever they had females in the office, when they would bring in a suspect into the room, they learned to keep a watchful eye on the females in the room because females have this just innate ability to discern creepiness or when something is off. And that's called discernment. And it was so, it was so funny because he was saying every single time the women in the room would come up to them and go, something is off with that guy or he feels creepy to me. And, you know, if you're a woman and you're listening to this podcast, you're probably shaking your head going, I absolutely know what she's talking about. I have felt that kind of creepy factor or this something is off in my marriage or something's off with my friendship or whatever. But every time the females in the police office would say something's off with that person, the suspect was guilty every time. And I love that story because I think it's it really shows that we do have this discernment and we need to really pay attention to it more. And just because you have your radar that goes off or your discernment that goes off that says something isn't right, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to have the full answer. Just going to somebody and going, I don't know what it is, but something's off and I want to talk about it is a great conversation starter. It's great to use for your kids. They may not may not know what's going on inside of them either, but at least it starts the conversation. And if they say, you know, I don't know, mom, I really don't know what it is. And you guys talk about it a little bit and they still don't know what it is. Then say, you know, it's OK. We don't have to figure it out today, but maybe we revisit it tomorrow and we talk about how we're doing tomorrow and still see if it's an issue. So pay attention to that radar. It's built in you for a reason. Number four, utilize the help of other people. Like I said before, we can't be the, the perfect resident experts for our children for a lifetime. Now, we may be the, the ones that know them the best right now, but let's not forget that we have a community around us that has insight into their behavior and into how they're doing that we should utilize. And our kids need that experience, too. They need to experience the power of a teacher sitting down with them and, and talking with them to see how they're doing. If you have a godparent for your children, this is something that we're going to really try to work on with our kids is now that they're getting older to be able to say, if there is anything that you don't feel like you could bring to mom or dad, then you can bring it to this couple that we are calling your godparents or you, these are the safe people that we have in our life that we've brought into our kind of surrounding our family. 
that you can call any of these people at any time and we won't ask why. But if there's something you need to talk about that you don't feel like you could talk about with your parents, then call these people. And I think that what that teaches children is it teaches them that life is lived in a village and that our parents play a role, but they're not the ultimate role. They're not God in our lives. And we need community and we need other people to speak truth into our lives. And when mom and dad say that these people are safe, I have heard so many stories of kids and teenagers and even college students who reached out to those safe people. And it was because of them reaching out to those safe people that they walked through a very difficult time where they could have made some really bad decisions. But through the wisdom of those other people in their life, um, they were more likely to hear what they said than what their parents said. So don't forget the power of other people. You know, for me today, for an eight-year-old, that was um, the doctor. That was the nurse that I spoke with. That was his teacher today. Um, He was surrounded. When you think about it, he was surrounded by people that cared about him, and they all said the same thing, which is something seems off what's going on, and ultimately he felt hopefully cared for. Number five, the last one is that instead of drowning in mommy guilt of whether that's I missed something with my child or, oh, I don't know what to do. This lifestyle is too difficult. We should just, I should talk to my husband about, you know, getting out or whatever that is. Instead of allowing guilt and shame to really wreak havoc in your life, my philosophy is let's let's take a look at it and let's see what kind of purpose we can bring out of it instead. So, for example... I learned something great about my eight-year-old today. I mean, he's so insightful for eight. Of course, I'm biased. I think that he is. Maybe he's normal, a normal eight-year-old. But for him to be able to say, Mom, I don't want to grow close to anybody because I'm just going to leave them in a couple months. That's a heavy statement for an eight-year-old to say. And I can bring purpose out of that. I can thank him for being insightful and being honest with me. I can be excited instead of feeling bad. I can be excited about the fact that he's learning how to communicate and he feels safe to communicate with me. Um, When I take a look at my morning... There are so many productive things that I could have selfishly done with my day. And I had started off that way frustrated that, oh, there's all these things I could be doing right now. And um, I'm dealing with a child that just is faking trying to get out of school. You know, when I look back on it, my time that I spent with that nurse today was a long conversation of talking about how we could serve together my child. But more than that, I had a great opportunity to encourage that nurse. I had a great opportunity to say, this is the life that you're able to speak into my child's life or to other military children's lives by your role. And I'm thankful for that. And I appreciate that. And I was also able to encourage his teacher to say, you know what, even if you're not a military spouse, here's what you teach my children by your stability here and by your consistency of teaching and how much I appreciate that. And the opportunity to be vulnerable with my son and to be able to have that moment where we can spend today to really talk about who are we and how do we define our sense of worth? And is it by other people or is it by what we believe about ourselves and the truth of safe people in your life and what they're saying about who you are and what God says about you? All of those things are priceless. And instead of me beating myself up and going, oh, I should have seen it. I should have seen it coming or I should have known over the weekend that he was really struggling. Instead, I can go, what a blessing it was for me today to experience everything that I got to experience in all of the community that I got to touch in my son's community. That was a gift. 
And so to wrap up today, I wanted to share with you, and I wish I had the full quote, and I need to go pick up the book again, because I think I read the book and I gave it away to somebody. But there's a quote from President George Bush's book called Decision Points. Um, regardless of where you are politically, um, I read the book because I, I looked up to him as a father figure and the kind of father that I felt like he was to our country at the time. And I really loved this book just because, I mean, I'm totally for Bush, but <laughs> um, but just because of the, the way he wrote it, it gave a lot of insight into what it was like to be that kind of leader and father. And something really stood out and stuck with me as a military spouse that I remind myself frequently. And it was this point in his story where he talked about he was deciding whether or not he should run for president. And at the time, he was a governor, and he was sitting on his back patio, and he was looking out into his backyard, and he was really wrestling with his decision, what it would do with his family, and how it might really drag his family, his wife, and his girls through something very difficult to get to the White House. And his twin girls came out. And again, I wish I had the, the perfect quote, but I'm just going to tell you about it. His daughters came out. And they begged him to not run for president. Sometimes I look in my kids' eyes and I think, if they could beg us to not move again, I think they probably would. And I'm sure at some point they may actually verbalize that. But I can just imagine his kids looking at him and begging him verbally, please don't run for president. This is not something that we want to do. It's not something we want to go through as a family. And what he said to them was this, basically. He said... Your mom and I have a calling that we have to be obedient to. And if I'm not obedient to that calling and taking these next steps, then I'm not being a good example to you. And I know that it's going to be hard for me to be obedient to what I feel led that our family should do. And I know that's going to be difficult for you. But what's more important is the example that I set as a father to be obedient to that calling and move forward and we'll get through whatever we have to get through together. And someday you're going to grow up and you're going to feel a calling and you're going to know what it is and you're going to have to make that choice for your family to decide whether or not you're going to be obedient and do what you feel called to do. And your children are going to be watching you to see what's most important. Doing what you feel purposeful and feel led and feel called to do and being obedient to that or giving that all up so that everybody's comfortable. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And this lifestyle is difficult. It's difficult on us as spouses, immeasurably difficult. And believe me, I am feeling it. I'm hearing it. I'm taking in what you guys are saying. And I'm, I'm taking those to the people that I think are going to listen. But it's hard. And it's hard on our kids. But what I have found time and time again is that when we bring purpose out of what's difficult, we can turn it into hope. Whether that's helping somebody else, whether that's my kid's story and him realizing that his story had an impact on somebody else's life. Maybe it was another kid. Maybe it was a mom, whatever. Maybe it was just on. Maybe today was not just about him. Maybe it was for that nurse. Maybe it was for that teacher. But that his story, his difficulty made an impact on somebody else and that he can take what he learned from this moment and be a blessing and a servant to someone else when he sees them struggling because he will know what that's like and he'll know what it's like on the other side once you get through it. That no matter what we go through, 
that we take what's difficult, we bring purpose out of it. And I believe that our biggest purpose is how we bring hope to the world around us. So thanks for joining me. I hope that this um, benefited you somehow. I know I'm not the only one that goes through these things that are difficult. I hope that it blessed you somehow. Um, If you have things that you would like to hear me cover and talk about, feel free to email me. I would love to hear what you guys would like to hear about and talk about. I'm already getting some requests from people on some interviews that they would like to hear. And I am so excited. I've got some amazing interviews that are coming up for you. And um, I also have a dream list. I'm reaching out to some really awesome spouses, some really awesome awesome women who are making an impact in our world. And I'm really excited about getting some really influential people to be interviewed so you can really be inspired. So if you have ideas, send them my way. I'd love to address those. In the meantime, know that I care about you and I'm hearing you and you are being heard. And I hope that whatever you do today, that you are kind to yourself, that you're kind to those around you and you look for ways to breathe life into someone else's life today. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk with you next time. Would you like to send in a shout-out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout-out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706-431-7222 and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.